Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Twenty nineteen starts with a bang. We also found a hole in the roof by our dining room. How a stray bullet spoiled the party for this homeowner. Battleground Nanaimo. We're a lead of the races. With the by-election date set, why the provincial government hangs in the balance. And a million-dollar mystery. What happened to a winning lottery ticket that's about to expire? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We will have more on those stories for you in just a moment. But first, get ready for another blustery stretch of weather. New warnings are in effect. That's right. Wind, rain and snow are all hitting the province right now with heavy rain forecast for the south coast. Our Sarah McDonald is live in Burnaby tonight. And Sarah, this is going to give some of us a sense of deja vu. Chris, that's right. And a lot of us likely, especially in those areas where those last few storms have hit the hardest, including here in Burnaby. And now we are only two days into 2019 and already looking at our first major storm to hit the region. It is already settling in over us here in Metro Vancouver. We've seen some wind and rain over the past couple of hours here in Burnaby. And this weather system is expected to pick up overnight and heading into tomorrow morning. Uh, heavy snow is already falling in parts of the province, and that's expected to cause some problems on major highways and mountain passes. Multiple warnings are now in effect. Snowfall, wind, winter storm and rainfall warnings all issued right across the province tonight. That winter storm warning is in effect for the Sea to Sky Highway and the Coquihalla Highway where potentially up to 35 centimeters of snow is forecast to fall by this time tomorrow. On Vancouver Island, as much as 100 millimeters of rain could fall in the next 24 hours and strong winds are also a concern on the island and on the Sunshine Coast as well. At their strongest, we could see wind gusts of up to 70 kilometers an hour in some areas, and that wind is not expected to die down until tomorrow. Now, here in Metro Vancouver, the big concern, as usual, is rain. Between 30 and 80 millimeters of it expected to fall within the next 24 hours. This current storm is coming right on the heels of that powerful rainstorm we saw just a few weeks ago, and that windstorm as well. It turned some roads into lakes in some areas. Now here we go again. This system has the potential to possibly bring round two. You don't mind all this it's rain? It's snowing. It's not freezing. So I'll take it. That's why we live here. It's wet. <laughs> if you don't want wet, go to California. I think you just, just get out and do it. <laughs> I was just thinking it's pretty hard for people with their New Year's resolutions to get out today, but I think the thing is just get out. 
some positive attitudes there at least uh, as we go into the new year. Now this was one of those areas, as I mentioned before, that was hardest hit by that rainstorm about three weeks ago. Some of our viewers will likely remember those sea otters that were swimming around on the road here at Still Creek. They will also likely remember that that same weather system uh, caused havoc for commuters in some parts of Metro Vancouver and the lower mainland. There is a possibility the system tonight could cause similar issues for commuters tomorrow morning. So a warning to commuters, if you are driving, cycling or walking tonight or tomorrow, take precautions, uh, go slow and give yourself extra time, especially tomorrow morning. Guys, Yvonne, we'll have everything we need to know about our forecast coming up. Yeah, we're going to check in with her right now. Thanks very much, Sarah McDonald out in it right now and yes Yvonne is in for Christy tonight to break down what to expect over the coming hours and into the morning commute. Yvonne. Yes the rain is going to intensify. We've actually had a few reports though uh, the snow levels dropped in higher elevations SFU and Westwood Plateau we're seeing some wet snowfall but for lower elevations it's going to be rain and it intensifies this evening and overnight putting the future cast into play and higher elevations if you're traveling along any of the mountain passes a significant amount of snow. The winds will be along the eastern sections of Vancouver Island and right along the Sunshine Coast. The potentials this day up to 70 kilometers per hour and the hardest hit areas for the rainfall will be along the North Shore Mountains and western sections of the island could get up to over 150 millimeters. If you're heading along the Sea to Sky, we have that potential of 15 and up to 30 centimeters. It'll be lesser amounts for areas near Squamish and a winter storm warning along the Rogers and Kootenay Pass. I'll have more on this coming up shortly. Chris? All right, we'll check in later. Thank you, Yvonne. Well, the current weather warnings follow last month's disastrous windstorm. BC Hydro has now tallied up the severity of that one and found it was the most damaging in its history. Aaron MacArthur has more on the cost and whether it's enough for the company to consider changing its strategy. The scope of the damage was hard to believe. At the White Rock Pier in East Vancouver. <laughs> And right across Vancouver Island, at the height of the storm last month, 750,000 British Columbians were in the dark. The December 20th storm that hit the south coast was the worst storm in BC Hydro's history. It impacted more customers and caused more damage to equipment than any storm before it. Stronger storms are coming more frequently. According to Hydro, in the last five years, severe weather events have tripled. The Crown Corporation is working on better strategic planning to help mitigate the effects of storm damage, but there are calls to make the transmission system itself more resilient. One suggestion, to push more lines underground, something experts say is unrealistic. There is costs associated with, with improving such a massive infrastructure. Much of the work being done to build resiliency is being done in urban environments. Underground cabling makes up just a fraction of the power grid. That's a bigger challenge in rural areas and more remote areas because of the sheer distances and uh, the costs involved. One of the ways engineers are looking to manage risk is to think about new solutions to provide temporary power. Micro-solutions like using electric vehicles to power essential home systems until the grid can be restored. Rather than looking into solutions from the past, 100-year-old technology, we should be looking into the future. And while power has been fully restored and the cleanup mostly completed, hydro and insurance companies still calculating the cost of the December storm. It will be a significant bill. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. It didn't take long for Vancouver to record its first homicide of 2019. Vancouver police say on Tuesday night, 
39-year-old Matthew Johnson was found in medical distress in an apartment on Powell Street near Gore on the downtown east side. He died a short time later at the scene. No arrests have been made. Investigators are continuing to collect evidence, but they do not believe the public is at risk. Scary moments for a Langley family when a bullet tore through their home just after midnight on New Year's Eve. That rod you see protruding from the roof belongs to the RCMP forensics team, showing the bullet's trajectory. The slug came through the roof, the attic, and the ceiling. The homeowners heard a large bang and went to look around, later finding it on the living room floor near the couch. Family guesses someone fired a gun in the air and the bullet happened to come down on their home. We were fortunate that it only damaged our roof and our and our ceiling, but you know, if it landed outside in a group of people, or if my wife had been standing there still cleaning up, or even one of my kids standing around, because this is kind of a congregation area uh, between the kitchen and the dining room. So uh, yeah, it could have been a lot serious. So just the thought about um, repercussions for being silly. Well, the bullet is now with the RCMP, who say they haven't had the opportunity to inspect it yet, but they have no reason to believe the home was targeted in any way. RCMP are releasing new details about a standoff in Maple Ridge last night. The standoff in the Alco Park neighborhood lasted seven hours. RCMP initially got the call about a man who allegedly had a weapon in the 12900 block of 246th Street. He was threatening to harm himself and police. Officers quickly set up a containment area around the house. The emergency response unit and a crisis negotiator were called to assist. Eventually, a 31-year-old man was arrested without incident. A charge dealing with uttering threats is pending. Well, the owner of Gastown's Crab Park Chowdery believes a video that allegedly shows a customer discovering a rat in a bowl of soup at his cafe is a prank perhaps aimed at getting more social media followers. Ashton Phillips says after a thorough investigation, he's confident it never happened. And while it's been tough, he says there is a silver lining. And a reminder, some of the video is tough to watch. The rodent in question, um, after reviewing all the videos, we looked at it, and it's about the length of a spoon, right? Crab Park so Chowdery owner see? Ashton Phillips says there's right. no it's way a rodent got into his chowder. After going over every step from kitchen to plating, he says there's no way someone wouldn't have noticed. So then if you're pouring the soup into this, like, you're going to notice... You can judge for yourself in this side-by-side -side comparison. The video was posted on social media last week, and since then, business has gone down 75%. It has been a very emotional experience having all those people with negativity. Clean Start services the Gastown business and says every restaurant should have a rodent control program. Adding the chowdery is one of the better restaurants, and rodents are instinctive. Well, I just don't think that they're that stupid. Okay. I, um, they just, you know, they know what's hot. You're always going to ladle towards Ashton you. has his own theory so about the video. This person is, um, it looks like they're trying to get Instagram followers and Instagram likes. In a written response, the person who posted the video says suggestions that this is a prank is even more ridiculous and disrespectful considering my friends and me are the victims here. 
Prank or not, Ashton says he's gotten support from strangers and friends, and that's been the silver lining. That's helped me get through a lot of this, to have that positive energy and those people coming forward, because without their support, I'd probably be in a pretty dark place right now. Ashton opened up his chowdery three years ago, and this isn't how he imagined celebrating the anniversary. He's determined this won't be the end of his dream. Grace Key, Global News. Fire crews were called to rescue a crane operator at a construction site this morning. The operator experiencing some kind of medical issue while working 100 feet up on a crane near the old Belmont School construction site. Langford Fire's RCMP rescue team initially responded, but the crane was too high, so Colwood's aerial truck was called in for assistance. The worker, who was conscious, was eventually brought down and was taken to hospital as a precaution. Well, it is not often a by-election is big news, but in this case, the future of our provincial government is at stake and there is not a lot of time to campaign. Premier John Horgan announced the date is January 30th. It's now a three-way dogfight in Nanaimo, traditionally a solid NDP riding. And whoever wins this will tip the balance of power in Victoria. Keith Baldry reports. Nanaimo is historically an NDP stronghold, but that reputation may be about to be tested on January 30th, when a by-election is to be held here. All eyes of BC are going to be on Nanaimo. Sheila Malcolmson is running to replace this man, longtime MLA Leonard Krogh, who resigned the seat to become Nanaimo's mayor. She has given up her seat as a federal MP to make a run at the provincial level. I've run four local government elections and one federal, and... This being a by-election that the whole province's attention is focused on, it's going to be completely different. The riding's voting history would seem to favour Malcolmson's chances. The NDP's croak easily won this riding in the 2017 election, with more than 46% of the vote, far outdistancing his B.C. Liberal and Green Party rivals. But governments rarely win by-elections in B.C., and Tony Harris, son of well-known local businessman, the late Tom Harris, is hoping that trend continues in this by-election. What it really does is it puts a light on Nanaimo that, uh, that we haven't had in the past. There's a lens on Nanaimo, uh, which is, uh, is an opportunity for us to be able to talk about uh, where we're going as a community, think more aspirationally. And another locally famous name is in the running as well for the B.C. Greens. Michelle Ney is the daughter of longtime Mayor Frank Ney, and she's hoping her party's big spike in support in 2017 happens again. One of the reasons why I decided to run representing the Greens, they work collaboratively. They try to work with consensus, working with other parties. They want transparency. They want to have a voice for the people and the planet. All right, January 30th, mark it on your calendar. Keith mm -hmm. joins us with more now to show us, Keith, why this by-election is so critical. Yeah, it's all about the seat count, uh, Sophie. The, every seat is precious to the parties because of the narrowness of gaps between them. And our graphic artist, Tavis Dunn, put together a neat little package here which will explain exactly why this by-election is so important. So the current legislature right now, of course, controlled by the B.C. NDP and uh, their partners in, in ruling the Green Party, sits at a 44-42 seat count in favor of the ruling side. And one person's in the chair. Now take a look at that, that seat in the upper right-hand corner, the yellow one there. If that turns in 
into the B.C. Liberals seat. If that crosses the floor and the B.C. Liberals actually win that by-election, you can see what happens. Well, you pr it produces a tie in the legislature at 43 seats for the B.C. NDP and the Greens, 43 for the B.C. Liberals. The Speaker of the House, who currently right now is a rather unpredictable fellow, would be required to vote to break ties each and every time, and he would vote for the government as per convention. So it would be very problematic. Well, okay, so if that does indeed happen, if that's the, ter uh, if that's the result of the by-election, could that trigger an election right away? Not right away, because I've, I've actually talked about uh, this scenario with uh, government house leader Mike Farnworth, who thinks, of course, he is going to win. His party is going to win that, but he points out uh, the government can only fall on a confidence vote, and they could conceivably get enough uh, people in the chairs, forty-three of them, have the speaker vote in favor of the government on a confidence vote, and have uh, clear sailing through the spring. Now, a couple things to keep in mind: uh, there's a number of pensions that come up for investment on June first. So I think even liberals don't want to risk those with an early vote, and the political parties qualify for another tax taxpayer funding uh, subsidy come July. So I think the NDP would be safe at least until mid-year. Uh, After that, though, all bets would be off. It would be very hard to push a lot of legislation through the House with mm -hmm. a tied seat count. So keep a close eye on the financial calendar as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Thank you, Keith. And not really a shocker here, but the BC Utilities Commission has green-lighted ICBC to hike basic insurance rates by 6.3% starting April 1st. The BCUC says the approval is on an interim basis, and it's reviewing ICBC's full application for the rate increase. And we've got some breaking news for you now. Team Canada, spoiler alert, has been eliminated from the World Junior Hockey Tournament in Vancouver. Canada led tonight's quarterfinal game 1-0 until the final minute when a flute goal by Finland sent it into overtime. The Finns scored with about four minutes left. Squire will have the highlights a little later on. Gut-wrenching for a lot of hockey fans. <laughs> Feel bad for that team. All right. A former NHLer and world junior hockey player is hoping someone can help him recover a priceless keepsake. Jeff O'Neill is currently a broadcaster in B.C. covering the world juniors. During a night out, someone stole his gold medal from the 1995 tournament. I had the opportunity to get together with some teammates from the 1995 world junior team uh, and some colleagues and... Uh, we had a fun night in Vancouver. We ended up downtown. And I mean, this is partly for me to blame. I mean, I left my bag in a, in a bar slash restaurant, but at the end of the day, I kind of thought my credentials were in there, my gold medals in there, my work stuff's in there. I just thought it would be returned. So it's, it's, it's on me, obviously, but at the end of the day, when you wake up and you have somebody else's belongings, I thought they'd be returned to me. To be honest with you, I'm kind of losing hope now. It's... It's Wednesday now. It happened on Saturday. I, I don't really expect to get it back. I thought about it today, and I was talking with my girlfriend, and she said, well, why don't you offer a reward? And I thought to myself, it's a reward for my own stuff. Like, is that really, it doesn't even seem real or doesn't seem right to me. Well, I played 12 years in the National Hockey League, and I didn't win a championship. I didn't win anything in junior hockey. The World Juniors was the only thing that I have won. pretty special to me, but I'm quickly losing hope. I just hope somebody realizes that it doesn't do them any good to display a gold medal in their living room when they didn't win it. Obviously, they weren't on the roster, so I, I don't know. I just hope somebody can get some information on it or something, and I'm going to have to think about everything. Reward, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, thinking about a reward for your own belongings, it seems crazy to me because it's my stuff. All I, all I want is it back. 
Well, let's hope he gets it back. That's right. We'll let you know. Well, Surrey RCMP say they are encouraged by the results of their New Year's Eve roadblocks. The Mounties say after hundreds of drivers were checked, no criminal impaired charges were laid. Only one driver was charged with prohibited driving and only four roadside prohibitions were issued. Surprised? I am. Happily surprised. You see that? Um, that means people are taking taxis, taking public transport, walking or having a designated driver while they're out enjoying the festivities. Well, drivers in the South Okanagan are still enjoying the benefits of an ongoing gas war. This is nice. The reason I pulled in here. It should have been that way all year. Gas at some stations selling for less than a dollar a liter. Remember those days? At least 20 cents lower than the provincial average. One analyst says at that price, stations are actually selling below cost. Anything under a dollar, you're really losing your shirt. You know, unless you're selling a lot of beef jerky, you're not making any money in markets where we're seeing, you know, too good to be true prices. A new report says the gender gap in Canadian wages and salaries goes right to the top. In fact, as Linda Aylesworth reports, not only do women face more challenges in rising to the executive level, they earn a lot less once they get there. That Renee Wisselick sits at the head of the boardroom table makes her rare indeed. Her position as CEO of Troika Management in Kelowna is one most often filled by men. I learned how to golf, how to smoke a cigar, and what scotch to drink, largely because I knew that if I wasn't willing to be in those rooms, I was going to miss out on opportunities. A report by the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives confirms that the old boys club is alive and well at the top of corporate Canada. If you get paid extravagant amounts, uh, chances are you're a CEO and chances are you're not a woman. Only one in ten top executives in this country is a woman. And for every dollar earned by top male executives, top female executives make only 68 cents. This is part of a, a double-pane glass ceiling. The first pane is it's very difficult to get to the C-suite as a woman. And the second pane is if you're there, you're paid dramatically less. But why? One of the key reasons is uh, that women rarely get to be in the right positions that will elevate them to the CEO chair. There just are less, are, are less women up in those ranks to choose from. And until we start promoting into greater numbers, we won't see them actually being chosen into those higher levels. She doesn't think it's because men are afraid of women, but that they don't understand them. Women think and work differently, which studies show often makes them more effective. There's actually greater profitability. There's increase of, of customer appreciation and loyalty. There's an increase in employee retention. What's needed is a change in social norms, not just in the way men view women, but the way women view themselves. We can have it all. One CEO at a time, one CFO at a time, and I do think we can. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Now, a new report says overall CEOs still out-earn average Canadians by a staggering rate. The Centre for Policy Alternatives says by noon today... Canada's highest paid CEOs had already earned more than the average Canadian will all year. The centre says top executives earn an average of $10 million a year. That's nearly 200 times the average worker. The shattered interior of a commuter train shows the full force of the impact in a deadly crash in Denmark, the country's worst in more than three decades. It happened on a bridge that had been closed to vehicular traffic because of high wind. 
Investigators are looking into reports the train might have been hit by cargo, possibly crates of beer that fell off a freight train traveling in the opposite direction. Six people died and 16 others were injured. Russia has allowed U.S. consular officials to speak to the American citizen being held in Russia right now. Paul Whelan was arrested last week by Russia's Federal Security Service on suspicion of spying. Family members who say they learned about his arrest from media reports say Whelan was visiting Moscow to attend a wedding. American officials are not commenting on whether his arrest might be retaliation for the U.S. prosecution of Maria Butina, a Russian operative who recently pleaded guilty to a charge of conspiracy to act as a Russian agent. We're hearing tonight the harrowing 911 call made by a Florida woman who was afraid she was about to die in her submerged car. Carrie Sanders reports on the remarkable presence of mind that helped her guide her rescuers. A moment of crisis. There's water getting in the car and I can't get out. 20-year-old Amanda Antonio on the phone. Her car flipped over in a watery ditch. I'm freezing. Okay, how, how, how deep of water are you in? Well, now it's um, up to my chest. Fearful her 911 call might end at any moment. I'm so scared. Her battery at 5%. It's getting deeper. It's getting deeper? Yeah. Deputies still don't know her exact location. Is someone here yet? They're getting close, ma'am, okay? Yeah, please hurry. Antonio realizes they may not reach her in time. I can't get the window. Then she has an idea. Let me see if I can look on my Google Maps. She gives that information to the operator. Hello! 16 minutes after the call began. I can hear you! Can you hear me? Rescuers find her. I didn't think I was going to make it out. Antonio credits the dispatcher with helping her stay calm. I definitely did not want to be the last person that she... Uh, was able to talk to. Tonight, she's safe with her family and grateful. Kerry Sanders, NBC News. The day after its New Horizons spacecraft flew to the most distant object ever visited, NASA has released its first HD picture. Scientists say the new photo shows that Ultima Thule is actually two spheres connected. The frozen remnant of the solar system's birth is some 4.1 billion miles away from Earth. A lot of people say it looks like a snowman. New Horizons passed within 3,500 kilometers of it, traveling 51,000 kilometers an hour. That's about 14 times faster than the bullet from an assault rifle. Well, in Health Matters tonight, more Canadians are jumping on the dry January bandwagon as a New Year's resolution. That means not a drop of alcohol between now and February 1st. Does it help? Doctors say it couldn't hurt. <laughs> if you're recovering from an intense holiday season, you're not alone. Yeah, I got pretty drunk last night. But more and more, people are jumping on the dry January bandwagon. New Year's Day. Massive fork in the road. Usually you follow the same old routine, drinking your way through the gloom. The initiative comes from an organization in the UK. They encourage adopting a zero alcohol lifestyle for the entire month of January and claim four million people did it last year. But if you cut out all alcohol for just one month, how much healthier will that actually make you? Alcohol is a poison, right? It's a toxin. Any period of time 
where you're avoiding any potential toxin, any potential poison, anything that hurts the liver will do it a benefit. The idea behind Dry January is that by the end of the month, you're rethinking your alcohol consumption altogether. If you can go a month without alcohol, uh, maybe that'll get you into the mindset of not drinking as much during the rest of the year, which will do you a lot of good. I'd recommend dry everything for everybody all the time. I haven't drank for 35 years, so it's a good life. But some just can't see it working here in Canada. We're in Canada. It's cold. You need to warm up with a little bit of wine. Dry January or not, research shows that excessive drinking causes a laundry list of health problems. Be moderate. And when we say moderate, we usually mean two alcoholic drinks a day for a woman, no more than three for a guy. So whether it's a month or year-round, the less poison in your body, the better. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. There is a million-dollar check sitting at the BC Lottery Corporation right now, and the time to claim it is quickly running out. Someone purchased the winning ticket in Victoria almost exactly a year ago, but no one has ever come forward. As Kylie Stanton reports, they only have until tomorrow afternoon. Thank you. Good luck. Some play for fun. Every other week. Others out of habit. I am a regular. <laughs> One four seven sixteen nineteen forty seven. I play them all the time. And while the odds of winning big are always slim, every draw keeps the dreams alive. Oh, I take a trip anywhere. Just a property, an acres, five acres. So the idea that one British Columbian has become a millionaire and has yet to claim the prize is all anyone here is talking about. Somebody's very lucky doesn't know it. And time is running out. It is still valid until 4.30 uh, Thursday afternoon, so January 3rd, 2019. You know, you've got basically one full day left to get down here and to claim $1 million. The 649 jackpot ticket was purchased in Victoria a year ago. The Lottery Corporation is not disclosing the exact location until someone comes forward. John, David, congratulations. According to policy, players have 52 weeks from the date of purchase to claim their winnings, but for a prize to go uncollected is almost as rare as being awarded one. That said, over the past 10 years here in British Columbia, there have been $5.2 million in unclaimed lottery tickets. Lottomax. That money goes back into the pot for future games and promotions. But on top of this million dollars still outstanding, BCLC is also waiting to hear from the holder of a winning $39.5 million Lotto Max ticket purchased in South Delta and drawn last week. There you go. It's a good reminder to double-check all tickets have been validated. It's in the bottom of a purse or it's in a drawer or something else and they don't realize it's there and... Sometimes that happens. People forget about it. Forget about it is exactly what the winner of this million-dollar ticket will want to do if they don't come forward in time. In this case, ignorance is bliss. You don't want to know. But just like it is when it comes to picking the numbers, everyone is holding out hope. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Luck. Well, what may be the lamest attempted bike theft ever? Why the thief didn't get very far right after the forecast. Sign on that window is a pretty good clue. Let's check in with Yvonne right now and look at those 
Uh, wind and weather warnings that are in our uh, area once again, Yvonne. Yes, we are on storm watch. A significant amount of rain uh, for Metro Vancouver. Windy conditions for the island and snow for the interior. We're seeing the rain out of the airport, a northeasterly wind at 26 kilometers per hour. We do have gusts along the island for Tofino and Comox approaching 50. And the hardest hit areas will be for the eastern sections of the island and right along the Sunshine Coast. Now, it is intensifying. It'll be heavy at times, especially for the morning commute. And this system is going to stall over the area. It'll continue to be very heavy through the day tomorrow and then ease up towards the evening for the rainfall. But interior sections will still track that snow and that takes us in towards our Friday morning. Windy conditions for the island and very wet for western sections with Tofino seeing the potential of up to 150 millimeters. Here's a glance of what it currently looks like along the Rogers Pass, a winter storm warning in effect. The numbers once again for the Sea to Sky. Areas near Squamish up to 5 and then Whistler could see up to 30 centimetres. It'll be very heavy through the day tomorrow and then easing off towards our Friday. The northern half of the province, the rain is going to push in by the afternoon, but it's anywhere between 4 and up to 8 centimetres for inland sections. Central interior will see that snowfall and it's really the higher elevations for the southern interiors where we're seeing the significant amount of snow. Rogers and Kootenay Pass is up to 40 or 50 centimetres. Whistler, Squamish will see that transition late in the day for tomorrow, even the risk of freezing rain. And across the south coast, it'll be very wet and windy for our Thursday. But our five-day short forecast is showing us a reprieve. Our break will be on our Friday with the chance of showers. And then Saturday, Sunday, the weekend looking quite soggy. The winds tomorrow anywhere between 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. Our weather window, a fun one that was sent in uh, yesterday from Randy. And this was of the windstorm that from the Fort Langley Golf Course. Guys? <laughs> I think that takes a lot of core strength, wouldn't it? I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. Randy's doing the one arm press up there well done well it would be thief picked the wrong bike to rip off it sure didn't take officers long to catch him take a look at why the alleged thief was after a bicycle that was locked up in front of the police station in gladstone oregon the man allegedly approached the bike with a pair of bolt cutters unaware that the attempted crime was in full view of police security cameras and officers inside were watching his every move an officer soon confronts him with a taser and the guy was quickly taken into custody. Oh, the sadness. sadness. I know. Puck luck is such a big part of I hockey, know. isn't it? I know. I know. Sometimes the hockey gods look unfavorably upon you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unfortunate. But first, the Canucks made a trade with Ottawa today, which was perfect because that's where the Canucks were, in Ottawa. They just had to walk down the hall in different directions, the players that were traded. Uh, Anders Nilsson was traded by the Canucks, along with minor league forward Darren Archibald, for veteran forward Tom Pyatt, who's a minor leaguer, basically, and goaltender Mike McKenna, who's now been with seven different NHL teams. But this trade had nothing to do with McKenna or Pyatt. It was all for Thatcher Demko. Because with Nilsson out of the way, there is now room for the Canucks to give their minor league goalie more NHL time, which he deserves. Obviously, we looked ahead to our goaltending situation, and in and, and the offseason, we're going to be in a very, you know, if we don't get Thatcher any games where we'd be in the same situation of sort of guessing at what we have and you know if Thatcher can come up at some point this year and get some games it gives him a chance to maybe start training camp and hit the ground running he already's done it and he already knows it and he already has some experience so we came to the conclusion that it was important that he got some of that experience this year um, and at some point we'll, we'll probably make that move and see how it goes. 
All right, so tonight there is Anders Nilsson in an Ottawa uniform being said goodbye to by both Bo Horvat and Elias Pettersson. And there's Mike McKenna, although, as I said, I don't know how long he'll be here. When Thatcher Demko's ready, he'll come up. Okay, Canucks with a chance. Antoine Roussel stopped by Marcus Hogberg. Other end, this is more back-checking by Pettersson than anything. This is the thing about Elias Pettersson. He scores, but he also does things in his own end. Give him the Rookie of the Year trophy right now. Brock Besser. Breakaway, kind of. No, Hogberg was the save. Finally, the Canucks break through. Power play. Edler the shot. Sven Berchi in front. They lose track of him, and that's a 1-0 lead for the Canucks. Deservedly so. But power play for Ottawa, and it's Matt Duchesne who gets this rebound in on Jacob Markstrom to make it 1-1. Then it's the Pedersen show. Look at the passing here. Pretty much everybody on the ice touches the puck. Ends up with a Pedersen goal on the pass from, at the end, Brock Besser. Pedersen, Edler, Besser, Pedersen, red light. 2-1, and then doing his Ovechkin impression, which he does so well, lines up for the one-timer by. That one's in. Pedersen never seems happy when he scores. You notice that? It's always very low-key. Compare that to Pavel Burry back in the day. Every time he scored, it was like he won the Stanley Cup. But the Senators have rallied in this game late. It's now 3-3. Okay, Tim Hunter in Canada at Rogers Arena against the Finns. Whoa, how big was this save now by Uko Pekka Lukanen off Cody Glass early in the game. Then Michael DiPietro, Canucks prospect, makes two big saves there. No scoring in the first period. Second period, Canada gets its first and unfortunately only goal. Although the Canadians had chances for other goals. It's Ian Mitchell from Barrett Hayton. One-nothing for Canada early in the second period. Nice shot. Here is the most bizarre goal you'll see in a while. And this is what tied it with 46 seconds left. Gets his first of the this puck bounces off the net and then bounces off the skate of Alexi Heponiemi. Watch. Net, then it's passed back in front. His stick doesn't touch it. Hits his skate, hits the stick of Di Pietro and goes underneath his arm and in. So that ties at 1-1. Overtime, 4-4, four four, sudden death, and Canada gets a penalty shot. The captain, Max Comtois, no. Too slow. You can't come in slow. So it stays 1-1. Look at this. Noah Dobson for the win. And his stick blows up. And so it goes the other way. And who scores? The other Canuck prospect in this game. Tony Utunin, who's not really a goal scorer. That's it. The Finns are going to the semifinals, and they'll take on Switzerland, who upset Sweden today. So a bizarre day. The Canadians are out. Um, of course, this is a huge thing for us, and uh, I'm trusting that we will beat Switzerland on uh, Friday, and uh, we'll win the gold. 
Canada has never until now not meddled at home. That's shocking. Mm-hmm. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 198. Grouse 215, Cypress 205, and Sasquatch 167. Revelstoke with a base of 184, 168 for Fernie. Manning Park 133, Whitewater 176. Big White with a base of 166, Silver Star 154, Sun Peaks 143. Kicking Horse with a base of 144, Mount Washington 154. Powder King with 18 new centimeters and a base of 220. Coming up on ET Canada, we'll catch you up on all the celebrity weddings and babies that happen over the holidays, plus stories from the road as we hang backstage with Mumford and Sons. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thank you, Cheryl. Well, he won two Emmys as a comedy writer and had roles on several TV shows, including Curb Your Enthusiasm and Arrested Development. But for many people, Bob Einstein, who died today at the age of 76, will always be Super Dave Osborne. Hello, Mike. Can you hear us? <laughs> Mike, are you there? The wind is about 100 miles an hour. Listen, I'm going to go down. I'm going to take the elevator down. I'll see I you down there. I won't need it. Okay? See you later. An iconic TV moment that tied the surging fame of Super Dave Osborne to one of the most celebrated landmarks in Canada. The character of Super Dave was huge. Bob Einstein was born in 1942 and raised in L.A., but it was Toronto that gave him his big break when he became a regular on the hit 80s comedy sketch show, Bizarre. Train tracks? Double check that. I'm going to back up. Bizarre was one of the first uh, syndicated uh, comedy shows out of Canada, so it was shown all across America. So even though he was an American guy, he got his fame from a show that was basically shot in Toronto. The character and his elaborate stunts kept audiences laughing, always using a dummy to pull them off. Super Dave Osborne was so popular, the character was given a spin-off show, which aired on global television in the late 80s and early 90s. Super Dave, Saturdays at 7 on Global. Einstein found new ways to entertain audiences in the 2000s, making a resurgence in his career with appearances on hit comedy shows, such as Curb Your Enthusiasm, Arrested Development, and Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. But I I think he will live on forever on, on YouTube because young people are certainly fascinated by that aesthetic of comedy and nobody did it better than Bob Einstein. <laughs> I still Super Dave so Rock. Yeah. Uh, one more note to pass along to a man who was uh, well known to wrestling fans also passed away. Jack and Ken Patera as a team to meet Demolition. Later on, Brutus the Barber Mean Gene Okerlund became a fixture on World Wrestling Entertainment for his dead serious interviews with over-the-top wrestlers, often Hulk Hogan. He was 76 years old. The cause of death has not been revealed. Hulk posting a tribute on Twitter saying, Mean Gene, I love you, my brother. I was going to do it. In mean Gene was great, although the Iron Sheik always called him Gene Mean. Gene Mean, got it backwards. Yeah. Flipped it around a little. Okay, last word on weather before we go. Wet and very windy, and this will take us in towards our Thursday. So, last uh, word. Very quickly, happy birthday, Mom. That's it. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Mom. Good night, all. <laughs>